All righty then, welcome to today's episode of Restoring Your Voice. That's right, I'm feeling better, recovering from COVID, so thank you for all your prayers. And today we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord by special request by one of my viewers. Asked me if I would talk about this, and I love taking requests from my viewers, like you, what I should talk about. So we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord today, and then how does that tie in to evangelizing? So stick around and find out. You want to be a radical for Jesus? You want to use your voice for the glory of God? Well, then this is the show for you. I'm going to help you do just that. So welcome to the show. Alrighty, welcome back. So that's right, we're going to be talking about the fear of the Lord, but before we get started, of course, let me ask, have you subscribed to my YouTube channel, David C. McGuire, yet? If not, why not? Head on over, click that subscribe button, all right? Uh, not only are the episodes of Restoring Your Voice on there, but my sermons are on there as well. Uh, all, all of it is collated into a nice playlist for you uh, to find. Uh, makes it easy, whatever topic. Hey, did he did, did he talk about this topic? Well, go on the YouTube channel, on your computer browser. There's a little magnifying glass up there. Type in whatever in there, and it should pop up if I've talked about it. So also, hey, head on over to the website. That's right, this show and uh, what I preach is all uh, stream, live streams from the website as well. Uh, I can see your comments from the website. So also, hey, I put out newsletters. Um, and blogs. I've got two blogs. My first blog is uh, introduction about me. And this last one you need to read. All right. I did one about Christian nationalism. So go check that out. Uh, all right. So let's get into today's topic, the fear of the Lord, right? Not a popular topic, I guess, depending on who you are, but I love it. And I think that this is uh, something that needs to be addressed more often. I don't think it's talked about nearly enough in the American church. And I'll tell you why, because the fear of the Lord in, in the American culture, uh, is often watered down. We, we like to water down to something that it's not. Maybe it's part of the fear of the Lord, but overall, things like, oh, it's about being in awe of the Lord, and we leave it like, leave it at that. Or it's about reverencing Him, and then we kind of get lost, the you know, gets lost in translation, and, and like say, using a term like revering, reverencing the Lord, revering, hold, holding Him in reverence. Uh, we're like, oh, it's in our modern vernacular, do we even know what that means? And we kind of just maybe hear somebody talk about it or preach on it or teach on it. And then it, it just, psh, okay, okay, they said it. Um, but we don't even know what that means anymore, it seems. And why do I know that? Because we got a lot of people out there walking around claiming Christ, claiming Christ as their own specifically, right? In other words, claiming the, we'll say, title of Christian, but they act anything but. So let me preface before we get in, uh, let me preface and say that if somebody doesn't have the fear of the Lord, then Jesus is not their savior because Jesus, first and foremost, is Lord. Remember that. So the Bible doesn't say everybody who calls upon the name of the savior will be saved. The Bible says that everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord, Jesus, will be saved, right? And so practically looking, that would uh, what would that look like practically to sum it up? It would mean that that nobody who walks in the fear of the Lord would ever excuse sin in any way, shape, or form. Why? Because they know that God is intolerant of sin. They know that God doesn't tolerate it. 
Therefore, they don't tolerate sin in their own lives. Not saying we won't sin, right? We're not perfect, right? We still live in a fallen world, right? We 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 kind of we wrestle with the flesh at times. Let's all be honest about it. Everybody does it, no matter who you are. But that doesn't mean that we who are of Christ okay it, right? I mean, Paul made it clear in his writings, right? I mean, he was honest and saying, you know what, the things I, I want to do, I don't do them. And the things I don't want to do, I do them. All right, that wasn't Paul excusing his sin. Right? He was making a statement, hey, you know, I, I, I still do this. I still wrestle. I'm not perfect. But never once in Scripture will you, will you find anybody of God excusing sin because you'll never find God excusing sin. So anybody who walks in the fear of the Lord truly will never excuse sin. Right? They won't excuse it in their own lives, first and foremost. I won't excuse it in my own life, first and foremost. All right? I, I value the repentance, right? I don't want to trample over the blood of Jesus, as the Bible warns us in Hebrews. I don't want to do that. I want to walk in the fear of the Lord. So what, what does that mean? So let's lay the groundwork. Let's, let's go with Scripture now. There are a, let me just say, there are a ton of Scriptures I could have used for this. I mean, you just type in the fear of the Lord on your favorite Bible app or something, and tons and tons of scriptures will pop up. And, and so that, that should tell us something that the fear of the Lord, the subject, is important to God and is important for every Christian because it's not only in the Old Testament, it's also in the New Testament, right? Not that if it isn't in the New Testament, we shouldn't pay attention. Uh, and we should never, ever dismiss the Old Testament. You know, God forbid we do that. But that it is an important subject. For us to walk in. So so let's 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 tie in and start off with that the fear of the Lord is always tied directly to knowledge and wisdom, right? Always. Right? Because what does the Bible say? Proverbs 1 7. It says that the fear of the Lord is begin is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is what the Bible says. So, so let's lay out the definition. And I'm taking out this definition from um, my Moody Bible Institute uh, commentary, a wonderful, wonderful resource. I've, I've mentioned it time and again. So if you're out there and you're looking for a good Bible commentary to read, uh, to, to have on hand, uh, just as a general Bible commentary, I would highly recommend uh, the Moody Bible commentary. Uh, but let, here, here's what it says when, when, I, when I looked it up. Uh, in regards to this specific passage, Proverbs 1, 7, it says that the fear of the Lord is a reverential awe toward him, okay? It involves taking him seriously. So everything that God says, we take seriously, yes? Everything that God commands us to do, right? We take it very serious. So both fearing his just judgment and holding him in the highest respect and love. So is it just all like God is awesome. God is great. And, and those are good things to hold God. You know, it's, it, it, those are good things to think about God, obviously. Right. He, he is great. He is greater than us. I mean, the very universe he holds together is will, you know, everything was created by him and through him and nothing that was created was created without him. Right. That's what it says in, in John chapter one, uh, talking about Jesus. So yes, those are good things to think about, but it goes deeper than that, right? As I said at the beginning of the show, right? It, it goes to, we don't excuse sin. We take everything that God says and we, and we do fear stepping out of line. Not, not, not that we walk in such a way where 
Uh, we think God is up there waiting with a giant lightning lightning bolt or, or his finger just waiting to strike us down. Should we step on line, right? But what we should be careful of and fearful of is his judgments, right? If we continually sin, the Bible warns against that in, in numerous places, right? The book of Hebrews, it's all throughout the book of Hebrews, right? Chapters 2, chapters 3, chapters 4, and so on. Uh, it, it warns us, right, to be very careful. Um, Jesus himself uh, talks about to him who perseveres. Well, why would that warning be there if it was possible for us to give up? To, to not persevere, right? To not overcome, if it was possible, right? Uh, the Bible says, uh, if it's possible, the very elect will be deceived. It says, uh, in the last days, right? Men will become lovers of self. So why would, why would all these warnings be throughout the scriptures if it wasn't possible in the first place, right? Well, that would mean that either there are those claiming Christ as their own, but they don't walk in the fear of the Lord because it says here that it is beginning of knowledge and wisdom, right? And one thing that concerns me today in Christendom, especially in America, is our want to debate everything, right? Now, why would I say something like that? What do you mean debate everything? Well, I do think sometimes there are things that we can have healthy discussions and I would even say debates over, but at the end of the day, we can remain brothers and sisters in Christ, like, when was the earth created? Was it a six literal day? Was it a 6,000 years, 6 million, 6 billion? Whatever it may be, right? We can have healthy discussions over it. We can even get into a debate over it. But a minor issue at the end of the day, because by the way, the Bible isn't a science book anyways. So we can do that. These are minor issues. When, when is Christ returning? Is it pre-trib? Is it mid-trib? Is it post-trib? All right. Uh, the millennial kingdom. There are people who are pre-millennial, a-millennial post-millennial, all right? There, there are so many different topics that we can talk about, certainly brothers and sisters at the end of the day. But the Bible says, remember, the fear of the Lord also says uh, in another place in Proverbs where it is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. So if somebody is truly walking in the fear of the Lord, there is no way that they could come to the conclusion, for instance, that the Trinity is a false doctrine. There, there is no way. I mean, Perhaps a, a new Christian, new to the faith, new to studying the word of God, new to the family of Christ might wrestle, right, and say, I'm not sure about this whole Trinity thing, right? But that's different than, say, a mature Christian out there saying, I, I, I just can't accept it, right? Because they're trying to rationalize this mystery of the Trinity, which in a future broadcast, in the, in the future show, I will be discussing the Trinity. I have a lot of preparation to do for that first. Uh, so it's coming. Just be on the lookout for it. I just got a lot of preparation. Anyway, the point being is, is things like heresy, which is the denial of the triune nature of God. Or in other words, God is the Father. God is the Son. God is the Spirit. They are co-equal. They are co-eternal, right? It is not three gods, but one God, right? I'm kind of paraphrasing the Athanasian Creed really quickly. Um, but but in, in the Bible, it makes clear different definitions of heresy. Let's see other things that are not debatable um, that would say somebody's lacking in the fear of the Lord if they have this belief, for instance, that Jesus is not God, right? People like the Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, in other words, cults, don't believe 
that Jesus is God. These things are not up for debate. These are things that the Bible makes abundantly crystal clear, right, throughout Scripture, right? The Trinity, for one. Now, it's not as easy to see um, in, in the um, Old Testament, but believe it or not, it is actually there. Uh, one of the ones that come to mind, for instance, is Genesis chapter 19, where it says that the Lord called down fire from the Lord in heaven, right? Two lords there. Is it is it a higher Lord? Is it a lesser? No. The Bible uses, by the way, Yahweh in, in both. And if you look it up in the Hebrew, right, you can use any free resource out there to look this up yourself. But when it says, for instance, in Genesis 19, that the Lord called down fire from the Lord in heaven, it is Yahweh. So Yahweh called down fire from Yahweh in heaven. For instance, these things are not up for debate. The very deity of Jesus, for instance, is not up for debate. Is Christ returning someday? All right, that is not up for debate. No, there's nowhere in scripture that says he returned, for instance, in, around 70 AD at the destruction of the, of the second temple. No, it is not there in scripture. In fact, throughout scripture, it warns us against uh, listening to men who say, hey, the crisis returned, the crisis returned. All right, never mind that this doesn't pass a common sense test, right? But only those who would walk in the fear of the Lord, right? Which is the beginning of knowledge and directly tied to knowledge and wisdom, then would never come to this conclusion. Think things, heretical statements, heretical beliefs. Now that may, now what I just said that uh, mentioned some heretical beliefs, Hey, it is what it is. I don't care how smart the person is. I don't care how great they are. Right. We, we don't debate heresy, right? We, we warn them. And if they still refuse to listen, then we cut them off. Right, the Bible makes it abundantly clear. Yes, I know there are people out there who don't do this, and I'm in vehement disagreement uh, with their with the way they do things. I'm not going to name names, but there are scholars out there, well-respected people. Now, overall, do I respect them? Yes. In this regard, I don't uh, respect that practice, and I don't believe I believe they need a bit more fear of the Lord. I don't say that from a prideful statement. I'm just saying we we obey Scripture no matter how uncomfortable it may be, right? No matter what it may cause in our lives, we're going to obey scripture, right? We're going to obey the, the instructions, the clear commandments, plural of God, right? Yes. Jesus made it abundantly clear. He made it uh, through uh, numerous times in John 14, again, in John chapter 15. Uh, and for those of you who, who may have heard Andy Stanley say um, that there is only one commandment, no commandments, Plural is uttered by Jesus, and we when we will we will endeavor, albeit not perfectly at all times, but we will still endeavor to obey them regardless, because we walk in the and we revere God so much. God, God is our all in all. We're not going to want to disobey Him, and we're going to repent. And when we do disobey Him, like I said, none of us are perfect. It's going to happen, but we're not going to excuse it, right? We're not going to try to. Well, maybe the scriptures mean this. Well, no, we we, we should endeavor to, to obey the simplicity of scripture. Right? So if the scriptures say it, right? like, like for instance, I could have dug into the Hebrew for this. I could have dug into the Greek, for instance, when we see things like the fear, like there's different Greek words and therefore meaning different things. But I want to stick with the simplicity of scripture on this because I think, I think we lose that at times. Don't get me wrong. I love the original languages. Um, I, I look. I just. I'm better at the Greek, for instance, than 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 the, than the biblical Hebrew. Um, uh, but 
at the end of the day, scripture still means what it means. So, so we, we're not going to because we know, okay, God is an all-consuming fire. So it says in the book of Hebrews, I believe at the end of chapter 12, our God is an all-consuming fire, right? That, that, that means what it means. It doesn't mean like, oh, it's some Holy Spirit, hyper-charismatic version of, of things. No, God has his holy standards, all right? And, and we're going to obey them or we're not going to obey them because Jesus is either going to be Lord over our, all our entire life or he's not Lord over any of our life. And we don't, we don't like that in American culture because we're in an American culture. What do you mean fear of the Lord? Who are you to tell me what to do? I'm an American, right? I'm so-and-so, you know? How many times do you hear that? Don't judge me crowd out there. Well, it is what it is. But but we come to all these conclusions, okaying sin, okaying disobedience, because it says here in Proverbs 129, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. And what would that mean? That means we like what we like. We, we often like to, in America, uh, and it's growing in, uh, at an exponential alarming rate, we want our Lord, right? A God made in our own image, right? That, okay, sin, okay? A God that doesn't have any, any requirements, a God that is not holy, a God that does not require holiness of us, even though, even though the scriptures speak to this. The, the scriptures over and over again shout holiness, all throughout scriptures, God is called holy. God is called holy more than any other title in the scriptures. More than any other description in scripture, holy. And then in the scriptures, we are commanded to be holy as God is holy. Only those who do not lack the fear of the Lord, who don't like that kind of thing, who hate knowledge, hate wisdom, hate sound instruction, would reject this. But once again, we come to the book of Proverbs and we go to chapter two and we start in verse one. It says, my son, if you will receive my words. So in other words, if. And hide my commandments within you. This is all part of the fear of the Lord. I'm getting to it. So that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver. And search her, search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. This is seeking God. When you seek God diligently, when we do this day in, day out, right? We have a prayer life. We seek after him. We seek to communicate with God on that one-in-one -one time. We, we seek to diligently dig into his written word. We seek to understand him, right? We come across passages. We don't skip over them. Well, I'm not sure what that means. I just move on. We don't ever, no, we're going to dig in, right? We're going to seek understanding. We're going to seek God. Then there is, if we do that, then there's no possible way. There's no possible way that we could come with uh, away from any other conclusion than it is a good and healthy thing to walk in the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord goes beyond simply having him in awe. Though that is, but, but it goes deeper than that, right? We realize we serve an all-consuming fire. We serve a holy God, right? He has it. 
And, 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 and we don't want his judgments to come upon us. We don't want to walk around in unrepentant sin. We don't want to hide bitterness and unforgiveness in our heart, right? We don't want to hold and bear grudges against other people, right? We seek to obey the most uncomfortable. And let's all face it, time, man, those scriptures can get mighty uncomfortable for us, if we're honest, right? They can get mighty uncomfortable. So love your enemies and pray for them. Let's all face it, we've all ran into a real-world situation, right, if we've been on this earth any time. Well, that's not as easy as it sounds. But because we fear the Lord, we practice it, right? But, you know, notice how loving your enemies and praying for them goes hand in hand. But that's a whole nother show. So we do that because God said to do it. We don't do it because it sounds nice. We don't do it because it feels good. We do it because God said to do it. Ah, so glad that you could watch Nikki. Hope you hope you're doing okay. All right, pray for Nikki, folks. Sorry, she got into a car accident. So please be praying for her. Um, we 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 don't just dismiss them, or or we don't try to. Well, maybe it was for then, and it's and it's not for now, right? I believe this may offend people, but but I believe that those who are cessationists lack the fear of the Lord. Now you may say, well, brother, that's a harsh judgment. Well, first off. All right, I'm not condemning them, okay? I'm not condemning them as heretics, as my cessationist brothers and sisters. But I don't think that you could walk away from the Bible and come to a conclusion if you truly walked in the fear of the Lord all day, every day. That, 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 that was your lifestyle. It, that you could come away with a conclusion, for instance, that the gifts and callings are not for today. Because... It's because of the fear of the Lord, which brings uh, wisdom and knowledge. In other words, uh, opens up the understanding of Scripture to me and other people that I that I must believe, for instance, that the gifts and callings are for today just as more or just as much as they were 2,000 years ago. It is because of that. It is because um, the fear of the Lord right? And the Holy Spirit that instructs me and other people, right? The, the Holy Spirit, which is God, right? Which is the Lord. Let's not, let, let me just pause and say that it's not like Jesus is Lord, the Father is not, and the Holy Spirit is not. No, all three are co-equal, co-eternal, all are Lord. Every single one of them. The Father is Yahweh, the Son is Yahweh, the Holy Spirit is Yahweh. All fear are our Lord. So if we walk in the fear of the Lord, that means that the Lord will instruct us in all truth, right? All throughout so far what I've read to you, and you can dig, I, I urge you, please dig into the scriptures for yourself, okay? Never take what I say at face value. Okay, dig into the scriptures for yourself. You need to feed yourself, okay? I'm not here to spoon feed anybody, but I am here to help you, and that's why I'm doing this. But, but it's not my job to read the scriptures for you, all right? Dig into the scriptures, all right? The Lord, right, will give us, when we decide to hold him in awe and respect, we revere him so much that we don't want to disappoint him either. That's part of the fear of the Lord. And he will lead us in all truth. And because of that truth, there is no way that we could come away with any other conclusion than, than, than what is written in scripture. And we won't try to read into scripture 
right? Our beliefs, our experiences, that we all do that to some degree, right? Let's all be honest with each other. And we can all do that here. We're all grown up people. But my point being, for the most part, we won't come away with some egregious error, right? We won't come away with some, I'm a sinner. Like, no, I'm not a dual nature person. I'm either in the flesh or of the spirit, right? I'm either saved or I'm not saved, for instance. Because we walk in the fear of the Lord. And therefore, we're going to take his word and we're going to take him at his word seriously. Seriously. So, what 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 uh, what good then is the, is this fear of the Lord, right? Hopefully, I made it clear this is not about walking around um, wondering of God, being fear that God's going to strike us down. No, tell you what, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord will keep us humble, right? Truly walking in the fear of the Lord, right? It will crush pride out of us. It it will keep us humble because we 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 realize who are we to question God Almighty, right? Who are we, right? What have we done that comes anywhere close to what God has done and is still doing today? None of us, right? None of us hold the universe together by our very thought, right? Certainly none of us can save ourselves, right? There's nothing good in and of ourselves that made us attractive to God, right? There's nothing, no amount of good works or good deeds, or amount of money we can donate that will ever get us into God's good graces. Yet, the Bible says that that God, right, He showed how, this is how He demonstrated His love for us. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us, right? And, and we didn't save ourselves. Where we're at today is nothing because of what we did, and and we we realize just how worthless we are without Jesus. Just how utterly inept, how, how utterly and totally depraved that we are without Christ. That, that, that He is our all in all. He, he is our sufficiency. Right? We, we don't get, we, we don't let, um, as the Bible warns against, right? We don't let knowledge puff us up, no matter how learned we become, right? No matter what uh, fancy degrees may, may be put on our wall or honorary degrees may be given unto us, right? None of that is going to puff us up because we walk in the fear of the Lord. It says here in Proverbs 8.13 that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, right? And what is evil defined by this? It says pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth of hate. Huh. That's another thing. The fear of the Lord won't, won't allow us to have a perverse mouth, right? Won't allow us, and I'm sure you, you might be thinking, well, cursing and swearing, using God's name in vain, and that's part of it. All right. That 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 is that 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 is a part of it, right? But what else per mouth do I hear from people who dare to call themselves Christians and yet slander other people? That's a perverse mouth, isn't it? God warns against it. All right. He calls he calls slandering other people an abomination, right? In Proverbs uh, chapter six, it's an abomination to him. Lying lips, right? I think it goes to, uh, along the lines of uh, feet that run to do evil, something like that. I don't have it pulled up in front of me right now. 
Perverse mouth, slandering other people. What is slander? Right? You don't know that it's true about another person. But, but, and it's probably not true. And you besmirched their character. Don't we, don't we see that all the time? Right? Because I've done this where, where I've seen something, people saying such and such about soap, such and such person, right? Wonderful world of social media. Yet only to find out as I dug and read and did my due diligence, it was not true at all. It was merely what it was, slander, right? What, what about that? I'm certainly very perverse if God calls it an abomination. So now we're reaching the bottom of the show, the bottom half. Um, so now we're going to get into, well, how does this tie into then? And does it tie in to the gospel, to evangelizing people? Now, I want I want to get into this because uh, me and my wife are having a discussion. I've, I've said it a, a couple different times, but uh, on other venues, you know, in chats and social media and stuff, but it's kind of hard to get context. Now, what I'm about to say may sound new to you, probably will. That's okay. I, I just urge you. I, I'm just urging you to, to listen. All right. And if you're watching live right now, then please, by all means, what I'm about to say, please ask your questions on. I'll be more than happy to give an answer if I'm able to. But evangelizing is not the job. It's not supposed to happen in the church. Did you hear that? Evangelizing is not primarily supposed to happen in the four walls of a church. Did you know that? Evangelizing is supposed to happen outside of the church. We're supposed to go out, right? That's what Jesus said, to go out into all the world, right? Or go to the ends of the earth, as it says in Acts chapter 1 as well. We're supposed to do that, right? Jesus would, would go out, right? He would serve teaching on scriptures to his disciples. But he would go out and hang out, right, with the people who did it, which wasn't confined to the four walls of a church or we'll say a community setting so so for all of you people who want to jump on my case you know just any gathering of the saints all right go out there and then he would he did it he taught it and then he sent his disciples out in uh in luke for instance to go do it but in a setting of a church or a community setting in the, in, in, in the gathering of believers, Jesus taught the scriptures. Now, say, well, brother, you're going too far here. Aha, but what does the scripture, what, what does the Bible say? Right? It says that the things of God are foolishness to man. All right? That the things of the spirit can only be spiritually discerned. So if somebody is not a believer, then how can they understand, because they're not walking in the fear of the Lord, how can they understand What's being taught on a Sunday morning, for instance. I can't. But why do I think that the fear of the Lord is tied in to evangelizing? And what I believe that it should be done primarily, not the only place. I mean, I praise God. If anybody comes to church and they become and they and they come to Jesus, well, praise God for it. All right. I'm not saying they can't do that. I'm not saying they can't come to church. I'm just saying for the most part, it's gonna be a for the most part, in my heart, worthless endeavor. 
because they're not going to understand what's being said. Right? But why do I believe that the Philor is tied directly to evangelizing? Because the Bible tells me so. For instance, in Acts, right? Acts, a wonderful book. You want to know how the church should operate? Yes? 2,000 plus years later, read the book of Acts. It says here in Acts 9, then the churches throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and were built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Well, how were they multiplied? By evangelism. Why, why don't we walk in evangelism on a day-to-day -day basis? Now, I'm not saying we're going to do it perfectly. I'm not saying the way I do it, you have to do it, or the way whoever does it, that you have to do it. That's not what I'm saying. The point I'm trying to make here, at least do it. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to be worried about how many people you come bring to Christ. Well, you know what? Don't worry about it. Because the Bible says, well, waters, or one plant, one waters, but it's the Holy Spirit that saves. But I, I believe that, that we don't want to do it, especially in America, which is a, we, we are just a, a terribly, terribly independent people, right? It's a, it's a bad thing, by the way. And, and we want to do it our way, all right? We like to... Um, you know, I got this life, I got this too, I got that to do. You know, I don't have time for that. But the Bible says to do it. Now, I also believe that the fear of man keeps people from evangelizing. Fear of what other people may think. Fear of losing a job, right? Because let's face it, a lot of workplaces out there, you know, are anti-Christian. But that doesn't mean we don't do it. So, let's see, we have here also in 2 Corinthians 5.11, so Paul writing to the church in Corinth, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are revealed to God, and I trust we are also revealed in your consciences. Let me read that first part again. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. What, what does that sound like to you? Evangelism. And by the way, I checked this because I, by the way, I, I love truth. I, I'm going to search the truth no matter what. If it proves me right, then praise God. If, if the search for truth proves me I'm corrected, praise God for it all the same. The point being is that I'm that I search for truth. And, and once again, my Moody Bible commentary, it yes, makes the point that this means evangelizing. But we don't because verse 29 25 says, the fear of man brings a snare. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord will be safe. The fear of man, ooh, well, let's just face it, 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 it could bring a mighty snare on every single one of us, right? Man, well, if I, what, what is so and so going to think if I present them with the gospel? Are they going to reject me, right? There's a fear of rejection, right? The fear of man is, is, can be tied to the fear of rejection, right? And we've all been there and we've all done that, surely. But it doesn't excuse it. Remember, I said at the beginning of the show, right? Nobody walks in the fear of the Lord is going to okay sin. And what is sin? Sin is disobedience to God. That's it. That's what it is. In its most simplistic meaning, sin is walking in disobedience to God. So if we're not out there spreading the gospel to people where we're, where people need it, right? Out there, 
then we're living in disobedience to, to some degree or another. And what I would say, well, it's nice. It's easy to do it in a church setting, right? In the four walls of a church. It's nice and safe. It's sound. I'm with my fellow believers for the most part, right? I mean, plus, especially if you're speaking from a pulpit, right? It could be very impersonal, right? There's no risk involved. I mean, you might get hate mail thrown your way, but there's no face-to-face -face risk involved in it versus going to the grocery store, going to the post office, at work, at school, wherever it may be, right? Now, now we got to get personal, right? Now we got to get face-to-face, -face, and that fear of man is a snare in that. It'll keep you from doing what God, from doing what God has commanded every believer to do, and that is to do what? Preach the gospel. Notice when when the Bible talks about this, it's not tied to leadership. It's not tied to uh, apostles only. It's not tied to pastors only. It's tied to every believer. But we don't do it. Well, here in America, like I said, we we just water down the fear of the Lord. Right? We we are a terribly Terribly individualistic culture, right? That's why, you know, discipleship doesn't really happen uh, anymore. We're all individuals, so you just tell me what to do. Don't you know I got my time? So we, we don't like that part, but the Bible says maybe, maybe we need to do less models of church growth with programs and actually grow churches the biblical way. First, not realizing it's about numbers. And to actually doing what the Bible tells us to do and to go out and preach the gospel to people. That is the only biblical way to grow a church, right? It's not about more programs, right? Let, let's stop worrying about making the church attractive to the world. The church is not supposed to be attractive to the world. The church is supposed to be anathema to the world. The church is supposed to be the exact opposite of the world. The only attractive quality about the church should be Jesus and how we demonstrate Jesus and how we show Jesus off, simply offering them light. Other than that, look, we need to go out and do what the Bible says. Preach the gospel. Stop with the fear of man. The fear of man will get us nowhere. We might grow a church numerically in other words uh people in seats but spiritually it'll be dead as anything out there spiritually speaking you have a bunch of dead people sitting in the pews but you got the numbers well whoop de do who have you actually brought into the kingdom of heaven who was actually being discipled among the congregation we need to ask ourselves these hard questions because if we're not doing it then we're doing it wrong if we're not doing it biblically, we're doing it wrong, right? If outside the four walls of a church is not our primary place for evangelism, then we're not doing it biblically. Anywhere you saw people being evangelized was always outside the walls of a church. How do I know that? Well, because Paul would write to the saints at, insert church there. Greetings to the saints at. Well, who are saints? They are already believers. It is already a believing congregation for the most part. He wouldn't be writing to saints 
All right. If if it was a mixed crowd of saints and sinners, you see what I'm saying? All right. Paul would go around and he would be in the public square speaking the good news, speaking the gospel truth of salvation. Why don't, why don't we model ourselves doing that? Uh, let's see. Uh, what's his name? Philip? Yeah, Philip and the eunuch. I think I got that right. All right, public place on the road. So if, if the fear of the Lord were so important in our lives, then it would drive us to evangelize and live the biblical way and do church in the biblical way. Hmm. But who are you more concerned with is the question. Whose opinion matters to you at the end of the day? Hmm. Now, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is Galatians 1.10. It says, For am I now seeking the approval of men or God? Or am I trying to please men? For if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, before that, Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, and he marvels how they've gone after this different gospel, this heresy, right? And, and he marvels at it. So in the context that I'm reading here, in, in here, it's talking about us speaking the gospel truth, preaching the gospel. So do you, do I, or anybody, we have to question it. We have to question it. Who are we trying to seek the approval of? Well, it's nice in the short term to seek the approval of men. Makes us feel comfortable, though. Right? If I seek the approval of men, it's their good words. I know what they say about me. Right? Don't you know the accolades? Good show, Brother McGuire. Thank you for that. Okay. But what really matters, what should matter, is what does God say about us? Because the approval of men can make us feel good in the short term. However, the approval of God is what matters in eternity. Does God approve of what we do or not? So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you with that question. Who are you seeking the approval of? God or man? And the fruits in our lives will show us who we're seeking the approval of. Is it man or is it God? Well, who are we obeying? What are we obeying? Do we keep silent? Do we not speak up on matters that matter to God's heart? Do we, what, what is it? Are we so afraid of, of what man can do to us that, that we won't even be concerned with their soul and where they're going to end up in eternity? Is that what we're more concerned with, what they think of us, what, what could happen to us? And throughout the Psalms, David talks about it. Whom shall I fear? Right? What shall man do unto me? He cries out. What a wonderful thing. Why? Would David say that? Because for all his faults and for all the times that he messed up, David knew the fear of the Lord. 
David walked in the fear of the Lord. He didn't excuse his sin. He knew the fear of the Lord. Therefore, he was not afraid of man. And when you walk in the fear of the Lord, my friends, it is liberating. It, it is so incredibly liberating to be free from the opinions of man. No longer are, will we be controlled by what people like or dislike, right? We won't try to be people pleasers anymore, right? Which is, by the way, a, an, an exhausting way to live. Walking in the fear of man. Because now you're going to try to please this person over here or this group over there. But then this person or that group in a different place wants different, right? It's kind of like trying to order pizza for your kids if you've ever done that, right? One kid wants pepperoni. One kid wants this cheese. One kid wants, well, if I if you lived your life that way, then you would probably order five different pizzas, right? Kind of expensive anyways. But it's, it, don't we do the same thing with people? Well, let me, let me tone down my style around this group. But now this group wants more, so let me bring it up. But but this group doesn't like either one, so now I have to be different with that group. And Well, where, where, where is that going to end? Right? It's going to end with us being emotionally, mentally, and probably physically exhausted. Let's stop it with the fear of man. You want to get in the fear of the Lord? Make Jesus your Lord. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. You want to be free of that snare of the fear of man? Walk in the fear of the Lord by making Jesus your Lord, by saying, you know what, Lord? I'm going to obey every jot and every tittle that you tell me. I'm not going to waffle on it. I'm not going to excuse it away. I'm, I'm not going to try to water it down. No, Lord Jesus, because you commanded me to do it, I'm going to do it. Because you told me not to do it, I'm going to endeavor not to do it. And those times when I stumble, I'm not going to stay down. I'm not going to stay foam. I'm going to come to my knees in repentance, and you're going to lift me up. That, that's the only solution to be free from the fear of man to walk in the fear of the Lord is to do just that. To make Jesus our Lord all the time. Even when it's not easy, and it's not always easy, my friends, I know. When it's not convenient, and I would say a vast majority of the time it's not convenient, but it's not about convenience. It's not about ease. It's about pleasing the Lord and pleasing the Lord alone. If you do that, if you seek to do that, I guarantee you'll have no problems obeying the Lord. You, you may not do things perfectly every time, just like I won't. But that's not going to stop you. That's not going to be an excuse. So walk in the fear of the Lord. Right? The world needs less weaklings and more bold Christians. Amen? So with that, I'm going to end the show right now. So be blessed, everybody. All right? Don't forget to click that like button click that share button and of course thank you for watching don't forget tomorrow tuesday is interview day We've got a wonderful interview airing for you so be blessed <laughs>